listeners, welcome back to Bondling Cardboard. I'm your host, Mike Lacusta, also known as the Golf Card Collector. Today we've got an interesting interview with a very close person to me. His name is Michael Good. He is a teenager who has been collecting cards for his whole life. And we dive into what kind of implications there are for a young person in the hobby and how we can help uh, span generations to make this a sustainable hobby for everyone. And with that, let's kick it to the interview. Our grandfather played a significant role in shaping our love for sports. Can you share some of the memories of watching sports with him and how those moments inspired your collecting? Yeah, for sure. Um, we'd always watch like football, hockey, baseball. Actually, not baseball. He really didn't like baseball very much. <laughs> and whenever I'd, he'd fall asleep and then I'd switch it to baseball. Because you used to play baseball. Yeah, um, okay. but he did not like watching it at all. All the family would be eating in the dining room and grandpa would want to stay in the living room and eat and watch football. I'd ask my mom, you know, can I go watch football with grandpa while he eats? And yeah, so we had a lot of dinners together. Was that a way of getting out of the kitchen? Like, I would be lying if I said I didn't want to watch the football as well. It was a good bonding experience with him. So, like, in that moment, it might have been a way to, like, sneak away from the dinner table. A little bit. But looking back, that's one of those small moments that really was special for you. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I did that. Just us both sitting there, eating, watching football. He was kind of a, a quiet guy, like a man of few words, but when yeah. he spoke, he did have deep meaning behind what he said. Yeah, authority. Yeah. yeah. Is there lessons you can think of that he may have shared during those times with you? Um, Every day above ground is a good one. That's definitely one of them, just enjoying being in the moment, not thinking ahead and just enjoying what you're doing. He used to say that to anyone that would listen. If you ever saw somebody in a grumpy yeah. mood, he would say, just remember, Every day above ground is a good one. Yeah, he was he was always saying that to my friends and stuff when he was living with us in Nanaimo. I think Grandpa always valued just family and money wasn't really important to him. He valued things over money. Like he would he would buy too much stuff. So I think I think that his like will to just collect. I remember giving you a tub of cards when you were younger. Can you recall what it was like discovering those cards? And do you remember any of the specific cards that stood out to you? Definitely. Um, I, it took me a couple of years, if I'm going to be completely honest. I kind of put them under my bed for a little bit. But then one day I kind of got curious and started looking through them. And I think I found like four Wayne Gretzky cards. And that got me really excited. So I went running to my dad and showing him. And then I was looking them up online to you know, see how much they're worth and everything. And yeah, that was that was exciting. And then... And then I kind of started enjoying just sorting them and collecting them, putting them into categories and looking at the stats and the little numbers on the back. And yeah, it was, there was a ton of cards, so it was, it was a lot of entertainment. I swear I went through there combing for all of the Wayne Gretzky cards. <laughs> I found four. Because I have like a handful of Wayne Gretzky cards from my childhood that I like tucked away in my own personal collection. I remember one time you told me that you had found a pretty expensive card in there? Uh, yeah, the Joe Montana card. Yeah, it was like 250 bucks, I think. And my dad uh, took it to make sure I didn't damage it and put it on a little compartment in the fridge. So Because you must have been five or six years old? Uh, probably a little bit older, maybe eight or nine. Yeah. That was probably a good time to start collecting and showing interest. Oh, for sure, yeah. 
Can you describe what it was like kind of digging through that tub? One day I started looking through them and I think once I started, I couldn't really stop. I was, it was pretty addicting. I was just kept going through them, sorting them. And yeah, I think once I found a few of the Wayne Gretzky cards, that's when I really, because back then I didn't really know too many like great players, but Wayne Gretzky, the greatest of all time. So I, I knew that. So when I found those, I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Like, find some nice players in here. When I used to open packs of cards, I didn't watch sports a ton. And so I didn't necessarily know most of the players. So I was just like you, I gravitated towards the greatest of all time and the current superstars. Yeah. So when I was collecting, like in high school, I collected basketball. I would open upper deck packs and I would always be looking for Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe. Yeah. And Steve Nash, because he's one of my favorite players. And Canadian. And Canadian, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Steve Nash basically helped me get back on track in terms of playing basketball. It's awesome. Because of his league, but... I don't know if he did the same for me, because I was cut from my grade 9 team, and then I kind of stopped trying after that. Well, when you were grade 9, you were still under 6 feet tall, right? Yeah, I was just a chubby little bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The coach actually pulled me aside and said, me and this other kid. And he was like, if you guys lose some weight, you know, you can play basketball. And then I kind of just lost motivation to try out. By the time you reached six foot five or however tall you are now, did the coach ever say that he regretted? No, uh, he actually, uh, he either retired or quit or got fired the year after. um, There was a football coach that wanted me to come out and play football or rugby. I just, I had too many head injuries, and my mom wasn't really supportive of that. So then I asked Mike to bring me back to what he enjoyed about his sports cards. Mainly, like, the statistics on the back. I, I really enjoyed looking at those. Like, that was my main draw. Like, just looking at how many goals and assists and even, like, the penalty minutes and save percentage, all that stuff. It was just, yeah, it was all really interesting to me, and... I never was really good at math, but those kind of numbers I completely understood and like averages in baseball, free throw percentage, like I just, I got it all. And I think that high school math teachers should include like sports stats in in some of their lesson plans. I honestly think I'd do a lot better. I really would. Then we got into what a collection looks like for a casual collector. It wasn't, it wasn't the most organized thing. It wasn't like I was, I think I just got like little boxes and sorted them by the sport. And then if there was, there was ones that I liked visually, I'd just take them out and like lean them up against the wall on my desk or something. I like the aspect of what you're talking about in terms of collecting versus what a lot of the rest of the sports card hobby talks about, because we're talking about displaying the cards. We're talking about reading the cards. We're talking about cards that aren't in pristine condition. And when we enjoyed those cards, that didn't really matter. Do you think that that's important for collecting? Definitely. I think if you're thinking about the value and just how much money you can get off of a card, then that's not really, you know, it's not very genuine. You gotta have an actual love and respect for, because every single one of those players you know, it doesn't matter if they're a superstar or not, but, you know, they've done really well to get that card. And it just because it's not worth anything doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Mm-hmm. So somebody who perhaps isn't a superstar, who doesn't have monetary value, what value do you get from actually owning that card, reading that card, 
that kind of thing. Just the, the entertainment, because I didn't really, my parents kind of didn't really let us have technology at all, so, and I'm not much of a reader, so, when I, it was, yeah, it was just definitely something to do, it was entertainment, and then that kind of turned into more just collecting. As a teenager, that's really interesting to hear, because I would say kids these days, or teenagers these days, often are glued to their technology, and it's, yeah. it's rare to hear somebody say that they grew up enjoying hobbies like this as opposed to technology yeah mm-hmm. yeah my, my parents were great with that and we were never we didn't really like it but looking back at it it was definitely I think it kind of gave us an advantage over kids that were on technology all day and you know they didn't really know how to just sit there and you know just be in the moment and not be entertained in what way did it give you an advantage like just more patience more respect for people more uh kindness and just just not being because when you're on the screen you're not like I'm like my dad when whenever he's texting if I try to talk to him it's like he can't hear me like it's just he's so focused on that so if you're not on that you're just observing and you know I think you can learn a lot about the world that way do you think teenagers these days develop this compartmentalization where they can half listen half respond half pay attention to what they're doing on their phone. As a result, they're not really present anywhere and not really enjoying anything. Yeah, I think, I think that they do. They every kid, even me, kind of knows how to do that. Cause like now I do have a phone and you know I use it quite a bit. But like I notice if I'm on my phone and someone's talking to me, like I'll just be like giving half-ass remarks and like like doesn't really mean as much. It's just basic, genuine answers and mm-hmm. yeah. So if you spent your childhood with less technology and enjoying hobbies and pursuits that were more in your immediate world around you, like playing with your trading cards. Yeah. And, and actually, in the, the likeness of the podcast name, fondling your cardboard, that helped you become more patient, be more respectful, present. Wow, I, that's really cool to hear that a hobby like this could actually help you become a better person. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it definitely could. We used to collect and play Pokemon together when Michael and his brother were a lot younger, but nowadays uh, he's more connected to the sport cards. So I asked him to tell me a little bit about that transition from Pokemon to sports. I think Pokemon kind of taught me how to take care of cards and, you know, like just keep them in good shape. And then I took that mentality to the sports cards. Which is awesome because when you were eight or nine years old and you received this tub of cards, they were not projected they were pretty beat up it was actually weird the the only ones that had sleeves on them were the goalies uh, but all the goalies were sleeved and like the hard sleeves and that's hilarious because i always liked goalies when it comes to hockey cards my main player that i collect is mike smith who was the goalie for the coyotes and then the goalie for the flames and it turns out that in the hobby there's sort of this rule of thumb don't collect goalies oh and it's it's kind of just in terms of investing, I guess. And as you know, I'm more focused on collecting the passion behind the cards. Yeah. Collect what you like. So I don't really care about that rule of thumb. But it's, it's, it's similar, actually, to baseball. There's sort of this rule of thumb not to collect pitchers. Oh, really? I think that when it comes to goalies, pitchers, and any other kind of specialty position... Like kicker? Like kickers. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same. Don't collect k- kickers. 
And I think it's because even though those players can have a massive impact on a team's success, they're prone to injuries. They're, just, they're not really looked at in history as being like the greatest of all time. Yeah, that's true. In baseball, I guess the, dif- the difference would be like Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani could both pitch and hit. Yeah, which is just unreal. Knowing that the goalies were in sleeves, it means it was probably me who put them in there. That was definitely you. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, every single, almost every single goal, I think, I think it was, yeah, it was hard to find one that didn't have a hard sleeve. Then I asked Mike to paint a bit of a picture of what the trading card community looked like where he grew up. We would all go to uh, the mall, and there was this card shop that had tournaments every Friday, and we'd all go there and just trade our cards and play each other. And, yeah, I think more Pokemon was, uh, you know, kind of popular, but when I got to high school, there was a few people that did enjoy it collecting uh, sports cards and stuff like that and that sounds like there was a bit of a community surrounding the pokemon hobby is that right it definitely was yeah can you tell me what were some of like the highlights and the lowlights of being a part of that community um making a bad trade with someone like if you trade a card and you regret it but the highlights were just you know bonding and just playing against each other and you know, it was just, it was something, something to do for kids that wasn't gaming or just watching a movie. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was, yeah, it was something to do that kept us all busy. It was like an alternative hobby. Yeah. It kept you out of trouble and it kept yeah. you out of other hobbies that weren't necessarily as healthy. Yeah. Do you have like a memory of a specific tournament or a specific moment in a game that you were playing that you kind of like look back on as being funny. I remember there was this one game where I was losing pretty badly and I was getting a little hungry and I kind of just gave up to go get sushi <laughs> for my dad and yeah, I called it quits. Um, but, but yeah, there was not, I I don't think I won any of the tournaments, but just being there with your friends, playing them, it was, yeah, it was a good time. So So that memory didn't really teach you dedication or discipline no. did it no it taught me <laughs> impulsive eating that's, that's all it taught me oh that's okay man yeah it does sound like fun though yeah it was a good time our shared experiences with cards and collecting have been a significant part of our relationship and i asked michael how do you think these activities have strengthened our bond over the years i always like look forward to your like christmas presents or birthday presents i would always because I would kind of know it would be like a card or something or a couple cards. And yeah, it was just something to, yeah, I, I'd associate you with cards. And yeah, it was just, it was a good bonding topic. And I just like sports in general. So anything related to sports, I was all over. But then I also remember we were golfing one time and you said, if you get a birdie on this hole, I'll get you a tiger card. And I did not get a birdie. But, yeah, I remember that as well. And I still haven't given you a tiger card. I, maybe I've given you a tiger card over the years, but yeah, that that was funny because I had just gotten some cards graded and one of them was a Tiger Woods card. And, and I, it was, at the time it was pretty expensive. I think the values come down nowadays. It's probably a $30 card or something like that. But a couple of years ago, it was about a hundred dollar card. And I remember telling you, yeah, if you get a birdie and you get this card, and it had to be that round, because I yep. know since then you've gotten better at golf and probably got a lot of birdies. But... I actually only have one, and it was a hole out from 75 yards. This season or in this your season, entire life? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, one for my entire life. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, how do you shoot in the low 90s and you only ever got one birdie? <laughs> I that, Okay, I shot in 92 once, and that was when I got the birdie. And there was a couple of pars in there as well. And how many gimmies? And, ha- and how many <laughs> breakfast balls? How many little kicks out of the bush? Yeah. I, I'm a, I don't count those, so. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. the truth comes out. Yeah. So when we go golfing, I'm going to keep you to the rules and you'll be high, high hundreds. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Then I asked Mike if he might consider taking the hobby a bit more seriously in the future, since he's been more of a casual collector from what I've seen. I think I, I will eventually, just just because I'll be a little bit more bored and have you know less things to do once I get a job and I couldn't like fun to do that'll take my mind away from stressful situations or stuff like that. Just something to relax with. That's not you know something that's unhealthy. Just a healthy like relaxation method. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever collect them for the value and the money. But mm-hmm. I'll definitely just collect for the fun of it and. Yeah, just, yeah. In the future, your life only gets busier and busier. Yeah. And so even once you start your job, or get a girlfriend, start a family, whatever, um, you know, I don't know if you'll necessarily be bored and get sucked back into the hobby. It's almost like an escape. And I don't have to escape from my life in the sense that I don't love my life and I don't love my family because I do very seriously. But there's a, there's a seriousness and a maturity in life that is nice to just get away from all responsibilities for a short period of time and escape to what I call my card sanctuary, where I can fondle my cards, I can look through them, sort them, decide which ones I still love and which ones I've lost interest in, in which case I can trade them or sell them. Or whatever and it's just a way for me to reconnect to my past and to reset my mind and just go back to my roots before I have to snap out of it and get back to normal life so I'm interviewing you as a youthful guest for the listeners but you've still been in this hobby in some way or another for 10 years or or maybe even more yeah I started young so when you look at young people today, at young kids, how, what, what, what advice would you give them to young collectors uh, who are just beginning their journey in the world of trading cards? Um, just have fun. Just don't, it's not about the value and the money. It's just about your genuine love for the sports cards and stats. And yeah, just have fun mainly. Yeah just it's a it's way better than you know drugs alcohol or anything like that it's 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 something that you can genuinely have an appreciation for and really enjoy without it being hurtful to your health or anyone else and yeah i think it's just a it's a great hobby to pick up and the younger you do it the better collection you're gonna have And that is the perfect transition to my question that I posed to the community today, which is, what advice do you have for newcomers to the hobby? Leave the Pin podcast says, make them realize they cannot focus on everyone and everything. Focus on what you like and look for cool, low-end patches, autographs that make it exciting but don't break the bank. 
Chicago Golf Collector 2 says, Prioritize your interests and focus on one or two of them to start. Don't let trends and what's hot steal your attention. Sure, it's fun to dabble in other stuff, but when push comes to shove, knowing your interests and pursuing cards that in that space tends to lead to the most long-term fulfillment. And I couldn't agree more. I've personally dabbled outside of my collecting lanes, and every time that I end up selling, I end up selling them, and then I veer back into my own lanes. So it would have been just been better if I focused on what I wanted in the first place. Victor Kinderman says, "Collect who and what you love, regardless of the value, and you can't lose." Alexander Couture says, don't do it. So I asked for a bit of a follow-up and he's just said the market is dangerous and very unstable. And the second that a person gets in, the whole concept of the hobby can become an addiction. And uh, currently the market is quite unstable. And with a drug-like hobby and an unstable market, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. And I get it. It's a bit of a negative outlook, but... Um, there is some truth to that. And lastly, Ephus Pitch had quite a few tidbits to share. So despite what you might hear, this is still a hobby and not an investment class. You should view this as a way to spend disposable income. It's a form of entertainment and a tangible way to scratch a nostalgic itch and perhaps bond with your children. Once you go above your disposable income limits, you will quickly find yourself at the mercy of shuckers and fraudsters. If you aren't at the table, you are on the menu. Avoid until more transparency is apparent. Don't buy wax because the odds are stacked against you worse than a casino. And wax, by the way, means a sealed box of cards. Be patient and think critically of what you like and why you like it. If you don't find answers, seek out the opinion of others that share similar interests. Once you've narrowed down your scope, buy singles at auction. The end. And I could not agree more with all of these points. Thank you all for giving your contributions to today's episode. And next, we're going to get into Card of the Week. And this week, the Card of the Week is a 1998 Wayne Gretzky game-dated card. The date is January 12, 1998. The Great One is honored as hockey's all-time best. And there's a few reasons that I picked this card as the card of the week. By no means is this a high-end card or an expensive card, but after all the chatter that you heard from Michael and myself, as well as the uh, the comments that I emphasized from the community, this hobby is about cards that have meaning to you and that you think look interesting and of characters that bring nostalgia to you. And this card, although it's got dings and and bent corners and nicks on the surface, um, is a card that I'll never let go. This is one of the cards from that tub of cards that I gave to Michael. And... As I mentioned to him, I did comb through looking for Wayne Gretzky's, and I got a handful of them. This is the one that I always thought looked the coolest. And it's been in my possession since 1998 or thereabouts. Uh, Aesthetically, it's the coolest of the handful of Wayne Gretzky cards I have from my childhood. It's got this silver siding, almost. I'm not even going to call it a border. I think technically it's a border, but it's only on the two sides. And I find that style quite interesting and it's very 
um, I'm not going to call it shiny, but it's very reflective. It's like it's like the the tin that you would use on an aluminum boat, and it does create this this nice picture frame. The image of Wayne Gretzky, he's uh, he's wearing his gear um, without his helmet, so you can just see his face, and that's actually a big issue with hockey cards and football cards, for example. Um, so it's nice you can see the great one, and he's holding um, some kind of commemorative trophy it looks like which takes the form of skates in a silver bronze statue and when we flip it over to the back it's a long list of stats our guy michael would enjoy looking at this card there's 18 years of stats for the great one and it's really cool looking at how his career progressed from nearly a decade in edmonton for playing for the oilers um, another seven years in L.A. playing for the Kings and half a season with St. Louis until finally a couple of years with the Rangers on this on this card. So, again, it's not a high-end card, but it's certainly one of my favorites. So check out the card itself on my Instagram page, which is Fondling Cardboard, or my personal page, which is Golf Card Collector with underscores in between. And today we're going to skip out on the watch list. And so we'll jump right into our inspirational quote, which we already revealed at the beginning of the episode. It comes from my late great-grandfather, Victor Lacusta. And it goes like this. Every day above ground is a good one. So enjoy all your days above ground, folks. <laughs>